Welcome to the latest edition of the Shukri Rights Podcast with your host, Shukri Rights. Today, I'm joined by a well-known Boston sports radio personality, and that's Christian Arkin. You may have heard him on WEI, but now currently on 98.5, the Sports Hub, as a co-host of the Adam Jones Show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Another day in paradise here in this uh, Massachusetts quarantine, trying to get a tea time. (laughs) If that's even possible. Like, I mean, thank goodness for Governor Baker deciding to reopen the golf courses, but... But next thing you know, you're gonna have everybody to find excuse to want to leave the house. Oh, let's go to the T course uh, over over in Newton. Yay, hooray! Yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny is that like I was saying this on the show last night. Like I'm glad the golf courses are open because yeah. it's a business that's opening, and it's good that businesses are opening and operating and everything else. But these golfers, holy shit, these golfers, Ryan, <laughs> like, oh, we're the last state to open the golf course. Like you don't have to play golf, and also you don't work there. So like, exactly. I understand the people who work there being like, come on, open the golf courses, but these grown dudes, like, who don't, don't get to play their game freaking out on the internet all day? Like, oh, God. It's, I'm glad that, I'm glad yeah. that's over with. That was pretty embarrassing. <laughs> Seriously. It's one of those things where, like, on, on Twitter, I'm seeing people com- uh, start complaining and complaining about, oh, why why haven't we opened the, the golf courses yet? And, and so forth. I'm like, half of you don't even golf. Seriously. Stop <laughs> complaining. Like, it's one of those aggravating things where, to me, it's like, you know, like, great. But you know what? There's still bigger problems at hand. So right. it's, to me, it's just, you know, like some sort of re- resemblance of normalcy is appreciated at this point. You, you know what I mean? So Yeah. And I actually, honestly, I think going out and playing golf would be great right now. I don't even play golf. Just going out and walking around <laughs> and all that, that sounds great. But, man, do those guys, they all become like freedom warriors when you take their toys <sighs> away, you know? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like seriously. And they're, it's, storming, it's, it's, they're storming City Hall now to get their golf pack. Not, not even. Like, did you see the other day on Channel 4 how, like, like two, like 200 of them were, like, outside of the State House on Beacon Hill? Yeah. I'm just like, you got to be kidding me. Number one, you nimwits. You realize that what you're doing is literally helping and exacerbate the problem. Like, come on. Yeah. Like, gosh. <sighs> like... Way to get me fired up on for this for this podcast. Hey, it's man. what I do. I work with Adam Jones. I got a knack for this. <laughs> By the way, do you like my uh, fancy flowers in the background? I actually, I actually think it's very, it's very warming for some reason. It just feels like I'm at home, like yeah, so to speak. So, but um, but our names both start with C. <laughs> really. That's a CNC. We're not big fans of CNC Music Factory or anything, but yeah, it's Christian and Cindy, and that was from our engagement party, and she decided to put it up in the house. So wow. now it's my now it's my background. I can change. You can change the background on Zoom, right? I can make it look cool. Stop! Like, oh my God! Uh, listen, listen, listen. Because that's what? not cool. <laughs> <laughs> listen, when I when I'm done recording the podcast, it's going to be audio only. So like, so, so oh, okay. don't so, so so don't worry. I'll I'm still I'll still keep the Zoom like chats just to be able to go back at some point and just just watch on my own spare time or whatever gotcha. and, and, and whatnot but um but congratulations on your engagement and thank you and um I, I know for sure like during these times it's definitely been a challenge and especially for for someone who is also already a personality in this in this market what are some of the challenges that you had to face um during you know, during this pandemic and i can only imagine this there's, there's been a number of them yeah well we were on the air the night that all this happened that the night of, I think it was right around what you just said, March 13th, March 11th, yeah, March 11th. Right. It was a Wednesday or Thursday. I can't Wednesday. Yeah. A long time ago. Now you're right on top of this, but uh, (laughs) we were on the air and it was probably the most wild 20 minutes, 30 minutes I've ever been a part of on the air. I wasn't on the air for like September 11th or the marathon bombings or anything, but like 
when we were on, we got word uh, that there was some there was a delay with the Utah Jazz and the Oklahoma City Thunder. There was going to be a delay in that game, so I put that into my update. I do the headlines on the on the show at night, and I also co-host with Jones. So I put that into my update that they were delaying the tip-off because they someone was sick or they were waiting on test results or or whatever. I don't remember the exact uh, release that came out, but then after that, Tom Hanks test positive for coronavirus. Remember right after that, Trump comes on TV and says, no more travel to Europe. And then after that, they say Rudy Gobert test positive. We're quarantining everybody. The game tonight's canceled. And oh, yeah, a couple hours later, the whole NBA season suspended. And that was the first. I mean, it was like an avalanche after that. You had the NBA then the NHL the next day, the Major League Baseball. And, you know, each night I'm writing these horrible things into my updates and just going, holy shit, what are we going to talk about? Yeah. Like, what, what are we going to do? And I think the NFL, the NFL has done some really good things, I think, during this pandemic, but I think it may end up coming back to bite them in the ass a little bit because they are so steadfast that everything's going to be normal and it's just going to be like everything, you know, we're going to start on time. We're going to play in stadiums with the fans in the crowd and we're yeah. not going to miss any time. It's all going to go right as scheduled or whatever. And that was their attitude with free agency, which I think was great because I could not deal with another – however many months of wondering where Tom Brady was going to go. I think. <laughs> and I also thought they did a nice job with the draft. Like I thought that NFL draft was a really nice uh, production and you know, we got all the picks and everything. There were some really funny moments with some of the girlfriends. I don't know if you saw that, but there's some. Oh yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Especially the one that tried to take the dude's like cell phone yeah. out of his, out of his he hand. He was like, nah, not today, Satan. Nah, not today, buddy. <laughs> the, guy, the guy whose mother threw the girlfriend off his lap. <laughs> That was amazing. She's yeah. out of the <laughs> toss out, just toss her out the club, as Gronkowski used to say. Right, they're like uh, Uncle Phil throwing jazz out of the house. You know? Oh man! <laughs> so uh, yeah, I mean, I yeah. thought uh, overall, I thought the draft was fine, and the NFL has been really, uh, you know, with the schedule day yesterday and everything else, the NFL has really floated our entire industry. But now that the draft's over, now that the schedule's out, they, like everybody else, has to start facing the reality of okay, what if we can't start on time yeah. and the NFL has been so bold that everything's going to be just normal that if that does happen for them that's going to be absolutely devastating so I'm trying not to think about it too much like if they if they push the season back a couple of weeks people will be pissed off they'll get over it though and we'll have football back eventually if they cancel the season if that season gets canceled Oof. I don't know what we're going to do I don't know that that's going to be one of the most devastating sports stories of my lifetime if that happens. For sure and I'm saying this knowing full well that the NBA, the NHL, and Major League ba- Baseball didn't even start, mm-hmm. and the NHL and the NBA had to stop midway through. If they have to cancel an entire NFL season over this, forget it. I mean, you're all that stuff, all the draft and the free agency and everything else, all this brave face that the NFL put on, that's yeah. all going to get thrown right back in their face. There won't be football. Everyone's going to be mad. And, I, I mean, that – I can't even begin to think of what's going to happen after that. So the the challenge is you're right. They've been sort of offset by the fact that here in New England anyway, we had the Tom Brady story, Gronkowski yeah. getting traded. Like there's been plenty to talk about here, Bill, and, you know, how he's going to rebuild in the wake of Tom Brady. Like all those storylines, they're not going anywhere. And they're, they're going to be here, you know, regardless of what happens, unless the season gets canceled. So, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll have those and we'll be able to do that. But right around now is when we're talking NHL uh, postseason, Stanley exactly. Cup playoffs, the Celtics in the playoffs, the early looks at the Red Sox. Now we should be, you know, over yeah. a month into the season here. It's May 8th. Like we, we would have an entire month of baseball in the books by now. We know what the Red, the Red Sox probably suck, but like we'd at least know that by now. <laughs> we'd at least be like, yeah, the Red Sox suck. The rest of the summer is going to be pretty lousy, but we know. Now yeah. we don't know. We don't even know if they're going to come back at all. 
and uh, that uncertainty is hard to go on the air and broadcast with every night. It's hard because you don't really know what to say. You don't know what to say without looking really tone deaf and just sort of being like, yeah, everything's fine. Let's just talk about sports. Like this fucking crazy thing isn't going on right mm-hmm. now. And it's, it's a tough balance to strike, I think. But as far as like, you know, normalcy and everything, like the NFL is still going along as normal. So for someone like me, we talk about it like it's normal. And the rest of the show, we fill in with other stuff. We've been doing all sorts of stuff. We've been doing binge watching shows and then reviewing them on the air. We're doing like trivia games against each other. We call it the quarantine games. Yeah. Um, we used to have this thing called the dong report where we'd recap all the home runs that were hit every day. In baseball. Oh, yeah. Now it's called the dong list report because there's no home runs to talk about. And we just bullshit for like. But hold on, but what? But what? What? But what about the Korean um baseball organization? I mean, there's home runs that are hit every night. I would presume, but it's like at, at like four o'clock in the damn morning. <laughs> I'm lobbying hard to uh, incorporate that into the dong report, but then we'd have to undo all of our dong list report imaging. See, mm, <laughs> all the the imaging right now is the dong list report, and if we jump back into the dong report with the uh, Korean dongs. Yeah. And that's going to be a whole thing. But I think it's worth it. I think we should have some kind of dong representation. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. I just got to keep fighting that good fight. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, like one thing I, I will tell you is this, like about that day, March 11th, and for you, you were on the air on that, that night when the news story really began to develop. For me, it was, it was a start of one of the most bizarre and one of the most eventful nights of my life because part of also what i do on the side is that i also work at the garden and i was actually oh. on my way on, on to on to north station on the t and i was on the phone when i got the notification from espn saying that rudy gobert had tested positive um for the coronavirus and i was just like wow um game's over gobert? say that again were you around gobert when he was there the week before or whatever do you get i, I was um if, if i was aware Say that again. Are you are you you work at the garden? Were you like around the players? No, I actually wasn't. Um, I was, um, I was on my way to the garden to, um for 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 a voluntary um shift because they had just completed um the Massachusetts um high school basketball tournament there actually, right. and I was there for like a went there to pick to pick up an extra shift or whatever, and I remember seeing the news. I was like, okay, for those that were just saying, oh, this is just the flu, it's no big deal. Um, I knew then I was like, okay, this is no longer a laughing matter. Um, and remember there was a video that I believe the day before in which he was jokingly wiping down the microphone, like, you know, hogging his teammates, ah, ha, ha, no big deal. And then the next day it was like, you, you is because of you is just, it was just one of the most surreal things. And then the next day. I knew it was going to be a monumental day for, for everyone involved. And I remember um, I decided I was going to fill in for, for a show that was supposed to air on WMFO, but I, t- I took it upon myself to do that and fill in for an empty slot. So I was on the air for two hours from 12 PM to, to two, um, to 2 PM in the afternoon. And I'll never forget. I was on the air literally as the news were break was, announced NHL season suspended indefinitely, MLB season suspended indefinitely, and uh, the college basketball tournaments suspended indefinitely. And I, ha- I did a, a previous episode with Brian Anderson, the television voice of the Milwaukee Brewers, and he explained in detail, he was actually on site when they canceled the tournament, and it was just, like, so surreal. And it was – it really was like, okay, at that moment, uh, what do we do? Like, w- what are we supposed to do? And, and you mentioned it. 
like there's nothing going on. And, and at this point, we were supposed to be talking about the Bruins and their possible run for, for the Stanley Cup after, after falling so short last year in Game 7. I don't even want to relive that memory. <laughs> but um, but it's really one of those um, news stories that intersects with sports that's, go, that's going to be like, okay, this is, we're never going to forget where we were, what we're doing when the news first broke and and everything that um that transpired after you know but it's it's good to to know and see that that you're that you're doing well and that you're healthy and and that hopefully everyone in your family as well is doing healthy as well um yeah everybody's doing okay we're uh you know we're 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 plugging along here what you just said is is true about how you know sports and news sort of intersecting i'd even go a step further i'd say when sports got canceled that's when this country really sort of realized like what this was like what was happening like oh shit they have to they have to stop the nba they have to stop the nhl mm-hmm. they can't start baseball season on time like this that was maybe maybe it's just me because i work in sports and like you know we're obviously big sports fans but yeah. it seemed to me that that was a real turning point maybe it was tom hanks you know maybe it was <laughs> and everybody loves tom hanks but like yeah. that seemed to me like people stood up and, and paid attention and there's still you know there's still people out there like oh it's not that big a deal but there were a lot more of them before the sports thing there there was yeah it was like 50-50. There was people I work with who were going on the air saying, eh, this is bogus. You can go out. You can do whatever you want. And then, you know, after that, no one was saying that anymore. No, yeah. Only the edgiest of the edgies. But, you know, uh-huh. uh, most normal people and most non-assholes were saying, yeah, okay, we should probably all wear masks and stay inside for a <laughs> Sports really sort of kicked that off in a lot of ways, I think. It, it did, for sure. And it w- was one of the strangest things that I remember from early on was – looking at my phone and I will get calendar updates on my iPhone saying, Oh, Bruins game tonight against Buffalo. Oh, there is no game. Right. And it was just like a massive paradigm shift where it was like program. Oh, there's a game tonight. Oh, there is no game. Mm -hmm. So like that for a little bit was one of those things where it was just like, wow, like, like what, what are we supposed to do? And I, and I have friends who are complaining through the wazoo, like, Oh my God, like, what am I supposed to do? Like, what, what are we supposed to do? I miss sports. I'm like, you're not the only one, but listen, this is life and death we're talking about. Like, sadly, yeah. sadly enough. And, um, but on a more positive side of things. More positive than the pandemic? Okay. Exactly. More positive than the pandemic because let's face it, like, I mean, listen, we're in May. We're going on this, what, two months now? So. <laughs> but like, we, 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 we've we been quarantined almost like two months now. So it's like, listen, like, Got, got to find a civil line somewhere. So one thing I'll ask you, especially, especially as someone who, um, who, and especially early on, like I first started listening to when you at, when you at EEI, but I want to go beyond that. No. When you were younger, who mm-hmm. were your, your sports idols in terms of whether it be broadcasting or even athletes and what led you to, to them um, towards broadcasting? Well, my uh, broadcasting uh, radio influences growing up, I was a big Howard Stern fan. And uh, my father used to listen. He'd drive me to school and we listened listen to Imus in the morning. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was not. I, and my dad's not like one of those people either. It's just there wasn't a lot of other options and he didn't like Howard Stern. So, yeah. you know, he wasn't one of those, you know, Imus people. But like he just, mm-hmm. 
So, <laughs> but I always like Stern better. So, you know, yeah. when I finally got to drive, I'd listen to, I'd listen to Stern and uh, Glenn Ordway growing up was a big influence on me too. Wow. With the show because that show was just a wagon. I mean, EEI was the only station in town for At that time, until 2009. It was the only sports station. There were some other small ones that launched that a lot of people I know actually worked at, but they never could really get off the ground or if they did, they, they couldn't, you know, maintain funding and stuff and it's just it was so tough to go up against the EEI and they didn't have strong enough signals but when 98.5 launched in 09 they had that mix 98.5 signal which is a really strong one coming out of um I guess it's I it used to be coming out of Austin I don't know where it's coming oh out. okay but uh yeah it's a really really strong one WBZ like 1030 that's one of the strongest uh, signals in the world wow. and so that really helped. And it was FM and the sound was great and sort of everything else. But prior to that, EEI was, I mean, EEI was just this powerhouse. And uh, Glenn Ordway and the big show, the Weiner line, like all that, that was a huge influence on me. I used to call the Weiner line when I was in high school. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> like stupid messages on the Weiner line. And uh, yeah, but when I was growing up, I grew up in the North End. And uh, my father had a business in Quincy Market. And he had uh, season tickets to the Celtics. So in the 80s, we used to, you know, I'd come home from school and we'd eat dinner and then we'd walk over to the garden and we'd watch like Bird, Mikhail, PJ and Danny Ainge and all those guys play. So that's that's how I really got into sports at first. It was those old 80s Celtics. And, uh, and I really, you know, basketball was sort of my um, – this is kind of a funny story. Back in the day, there was a uh, guy named, I think uh, – and there was only six teams back then, right? Like, there was only yeah. six teams in the NHL. Mm -hmm. So, uh, the Bruins were one of the originals, but most of the hockey fans were up in Canada. So, after the game, Frank Ryan would call the game, and then my great uncle would come on, and he'd recap the game in French for the Canadian audience. Yeah. And the only reason he got the job is because he was Frank Ryan's brother-in-law. Oh, <laughs> he wow. He married Frank Ryan's sisters. They're like, French and he's like, yeah, I speak French. And they're like, all right, come on, we're gonna put you on the radio. <laughs> and that's how you got jobs in broadcast back then. Wow. <laughs> but, that's so yeah, that's one little piece of broadcast uh bloodline that I have, but that's basically it. But yeah, growing up, I was really uh I was a big fan of that. I used to listen to WERS, which is Emerson's college station. Yes. They used to have mm -hmm. uh, these hip hop nights every single night. I'm a big hip hop fan, and they used to have um tape tech Tuesdays. And uh, every night from like, I think, 8 to 10 or 8 to 11, they would play all this great underground stuff. And that's what I did in college. I actually, uh, I was doing some sports, but I was mostly hosting this uh, underground hip hop music show with a bunch of my friends out in Colorado. Oh, and uh, that's sort of how I got, you know, got my reps in and started really hosting a show on a regular basis. And um, after that, I got hired to actually do music out in Denver. Oh, and I was doing a... Uh, a specialty show on this rock station. It was like an iHeartRadio clear channel station back then around 08 or 09. Mm. And that's when 09 basically is when clear channel and iHeart laid off like everybody. Like there was just massive, massive layoffs. They went from clear channel to iHeart media after that because it was so bad. It was right around when um inaugurated. And that's yeah. what I remember about it because it got buried in that news cycle is that there were these massive radio layoffs going on. And I actually survived them. Uh, I didn't get laid off because I didn't make enough money to, to justify letting me go. <laughs> they were like, this guy's basically working for free. Let's just keep him here. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Why fire him? We're not paying him anything. <laughs> so, yeah. there. But, uh, you know, I kind of looked at this guy that I was hosting the show with, and we jumped to this other station, and then that station flipped formats. 
and I moved back to Massachusetts and I thought, you know, before I give up on broadcasting altogether, I really like doing this. Before I give up on it, I'm going to try and do sports here. And I thought it was kind of a dumb thing to try and do because sports in Boston is so competitive and like is, every, yeah. everybody in this whole goddamn city thinks they're a sports talk radio host. <laughs> <laughs> you go to like a Patriots tailgate, like it's unbelievable. <laughs> Everyone, everybody, you I bet you know 50 people who think they can do my job. And you know what? Maybe yeah. some probably can, but like it's not just going on the radio and talking shit about sports. Like you have to, you have to come up with uh, angles and narratives and you have to really be good on your facts. Like you can't just be yeah. light on the facts in Boston. You can't bullshit at all. Like you, you really can't. You know? And it, people it, it, are really, uh, really. Yeah. It's really one of those things where it's, um, and I, and I, I've, and it's interesting because like I've, I've had some folks even ask me like, you're like, you know, shoot, like, why do you, like, how do you even, like, how, like, how do you do what you do on, like, on radio? It's like, you're not going, I'm not going on the radio just, just to talk, just to talk a bunch of gibberish or nonsense. Like, no, like, I'm actually very much aware of what's going on and, and very much well informed. And one of the things that, that, that's really stood out for me personally, especially, especially getting my first big break in, in, in the Boston market, having hosted my own radio show at WMFO is, is that like I, I've gotten asked so many like so many times I'll get hit up randomly like oh what do you think the Patriots are gonna do in terms of the 2020s um season or what do you think the Bruins are gonna do and, and, and it's just like um, I just hope you understand that I really take the time to prepare like because you have to prepare before you go on or go on the airwaves and it amazes me how there's this misconception that people have that like, they think it's something that is something that's easy to do. It's like, no, not, not so much. And I, I agree. And I had to learn that very early on. Like for example, case in point, the very first show that I ever did at WMFO was July 6th of last year. So I'm, I'm about to hit up the, on the one year anniversary. And oh, I mean, and I, and I remember like, cause it was from 6am to 9am on a Saturday at, at, at more or less. Right. So I remember thinking, oh my God, here I am, first time on the radio. I, I, I mean, I, I had, I obviously knew, I knew what I was talking about, but it was, but I didn't know, and, and I'm learning along that there were so many different nuances that went into it and so forth, where, where it's like, it's a lot harder than what people realize. And I, 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 I gotta, I, I'll ask you this, like just for, for those who, for those who's going to be listening to this episode um, later on, what are some of the nuances that people don't know and what goes into preparing for a radio show? Well, I think in terms of preparing, you got to go with sort of the news of the day. And as you know, the headline guy, that's easy for me because I have to have all these news stories ready to go for my headlines. So oftentimes it'll be off of a, uh, you know, a big news story of the day something you know a coach said or an athlete said on an interview show on ESPN or something like that we like to use audio and sort of get that involved and interact with it and everything else but as far as what the on-air delivery you know it's everybody has sort of their own style like Ordway and the, the big show was very conversational it was sort of this round table show with like Glenn at the head and all these other people and you know they to shuttle in different guests every day. Like Felger and Maz used to be on the big show. They were like guest hosts oh, wow. on the big show. 
And, um, yeah, like Felger was a Patriots guy. Maz was the Red Sox guy. They had Butch Stearns. They had Steve Burton. Like, all these guys used to come on. And that was the show. And it was a very sort of conversational show. Smurlis and Diossi and all those guys. Like, everybody was on the big show. And uh, you listen to Felger and Maz, and they have a much more sort of urgent kind of that, you know. Like yes. very, <laughs> um, you know. There's a lot more urgency in their voice, and they take it sort of more like you're – I don't I don't even really know what to compare it to like that show is very unique in, in in a lot of ways you listen to someone like Francesa out in New York he likes mm-hmm. to just kind of monologue and give you these takes from on high and you know he's kind of like yeah like, blessed by God to tell you to tell you <laughs> the, what, what's going on in the sports world so you know it, it's it kind of depends you kind of have to go with your own personality I think if people try and be something they're not I think that comes through on the radio a lot and you can really kind of suss that out pretty pretty quickly and I think that's one thing that people like about 98.5 in particular is that we're all we're all pretty genuine you know like Toucher and Rich that's a genuine show Zolak doesn't get more fucking genuine than Zolak yeah and uh as those guys Jones is just so committed to crapping on everything that brings anybody joy all the time that you basically I mean it was tough for me at first to get used to doing a show like that every day yeah. but now I'm just so used to what I don't notice it anymore <laughs> that's just that perspective and you know people go oh that's just trolling you're just trolling that da, 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 da. but it's consistency consistency is really important Mm. consistency in your takes consistency in your point of view and your perspective people want to know what they're when they tune in and listen to you and even if it's you know it, you don't have to have the same opinion on everything all the time yeah. it doesn't have to be like yeah i think that no matter what bill belichick's a genius and he's always right and blah blah blah, blah. it doesn't have to be that but you have to be consistent in your way of thinking about things you know you have to you have to have like sort of rules and, and regulations for for where you'll go and where you won't go and what you consider to be, you know, uh, unimpeachable truth and what isn't and stuff like that. Like that's oh, yeah. all really important. And I think over time, you don't just do that right away. You know, you got to get people to get to know you first when you first start off doing a show, but over time you got to really work. I think you got to really work to make sure those things are consistent and stable and that when people tune in to hear you, they know, they know to an extent like that they're going to be getting the consistent, you know, Shukri or the consistent Arkand or Jones or whoever. Yeah. If you tuned into the Jones show one night, he was going on about how great Bill Belichick is and how awesome everything was all the time. People would say, what the hell is this? You know? Exactly. Like, it would be, it would be a thing. And I don't think it would be necessary. Like it'd be funny for like a one-off, you know, like an opposite day type one-off, but consistency is really important. I think that that's a, You know, I think the best shows are the ones where it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like the hosts are straining for a take or whatever. The best shows, I think, are the ones where just the the conversation full. It's like a two man show or a three man show that comes with sort of chemistry and working together for a long time. Absolutely. But I think those uh, those type of shows where it seems like not like you're just having a conversation like the big show or whatever, but it seems like this is how this person would be talking about anything. This is how these two people would be having a conversation about any topic. It doesn't have to be Tom Brady and the Patriots, but mm. those I think are, that's when you sort of hit a stride and you know, when you hear it, like, you know, when you, uh, when you hear something like that and it's, um, I think that's uh, that's the mark of a good show that 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 sort of thing. But yeah, consistency to me is the most important. Well, without question, and I and I and I and I want to second on that because one of the things that I had to learn, especially especially when I first um, started doing my own radio show, was that 
be consistent in terms of how you think. Like, if, like for example, you're, you're getting to know me off the air. You're getting to know me individually. Mm. People who are listening don't, don't get that privilege unless you already know me personally off the airways, where it's like, no, no, I know how this guy thinks. Like, I, I like how, how he thinks. He's, he's, he's very challenging, but, but, not, but not negative. Like, because my, my, whole, my whole way of style of approaching things, especially on the air, is I'm not a person who's negative, but, I'm, but I wouldn't describe myself as, like, overly po- positive where I come across as, oh, I'm just some guy who just happened to have pom-poms on the mic. Woo! <laughs> like, no, like, I like to have... Like challenging, like challenging takes and so forth. And like case in point, and, and it's going to segue directly into the next, uh, into the next question. Last August, when the Patriots were in, when training camp, I was very consistent, very early on, that I said, Tom Brady's contract is an indication that he's not going to return to New England after this season. This, I think this will be his final season in New England. Got, I got the archive of the whole of, of the show, like, and my friends were like, "You're crazy, you know? He's he's gonna retire, patron." I'm like, "No, I don't see it. I really don't see it." And then, lo and behold, March 18th comes around, or whatever day it was, Tom Brady leaves New England. What was your first thought and your first reaction when the news broke? Well, I actually, uh, I mean, we all sort of knew that it was happening, but I, I got to actually break that news because it came out at night. And wow. uh, when he officially signed with, with Tampa Bay, we still weren't sure where he was going to go. Uh, Tennessee was a big leader. I thought, I thought he was going to go to the Chargers just because he had opened that, uh, that film studio out there. But, um, yeah, when, and when it came down to Tampa Bay and when that news came out, what hit me first was, number one, what you were talking about there. If you dared come out and say something like, Tom Brady's definitely leaving. I don't think Tom Brady's going to retire a Patriot. I think that he's had it and he's going to go and explore, you know, other, other things here. They're not going to come to an agreement on a new contract. Patriots fans got mad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not like that. Even if you said it, you know, since it like Jones tries to rile people up and you know, he's really good at it. But even if you said that sincerely, like, listen, I just don't see it happening. I don't think, why would they wait all this time with the contract and not offer him anything if they were just going to, you know, do it at the very end of the season. Like that doesn't make any sense. They always take care of this before the end of the season. And they didn't this time. And when it came out that he was going to Tampa Bay, like I had heard that they were on the radar, but that really sort of, to me anyway, told me two things. One, the Patriots weren't really all that interested in bringing him back. And two, the market for him wasn't that great. Mm -hmm. And I was really surprised by that second thing. I thought that, you know, there would be lots of teams out there that would be willing to roll the dice on two years of Tom Brady to try and win a championship. A lot of young coaches, like teams that haven't been good in a long time. And maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. At least you put asses in the seats. And I thought out in L.A. in particular for that new Chargers stadium, which Mm -hmm. who knows if that thing's even going to be finished in years now. But I thought, all right, they want to sell a new place. Tom Brady, there you go. It's movie star and his wife. And, uh, you know, they got the movie studio out there. So that to me, I mean, Brady, I remember life before Brady. Like, I'm 38. So I I had a pretty – I had a pretty long – long time watching the Patriots there when they were just awful for years and years and years. Like, I don't really remember 86 when they got beat by the bears. Like my, my intro to the Patriots was the early nineties. And if you go back and look like they when were Zolak was the quarterback. Yeah. Like, well, even before that, I mean, yeah. it was, 
it was there were dark days there with that Patriots team. Like the end of Steve Grogan and Tony Easton. Like yeah, right around when Solak yeah. got to oh god, were they bad? You know, it, <laughs> to see now after this twenty year stretch, now the Patriots might go back to being just another normal team. Like I'll I'll be okay. I remember them when they were a normal team. But there's a lot of young fans out there who just have never experienced the Patriots being a normal team. They've been this juggernaut for twenty goddamn years. So. Yeah. I wonder, like, I wonder how, well, 19 years ago, there's kids in high school that weren't even born then. (laughs) That's insane to me. So they really don't know anything other than that. And they only know Tom Brady. And so, I mean, this, here's, here's a very indicative thing. I, I made a poll on Twitter and I also polled my audience one weekend. And I said, now that Brady's going to Tampa Bay, are you going to be rooting for Tom Brady or the Patriots? And I'd say one in four fans said Tom Brady. And mm. that, to me, everything you got to know right there. And listen, yeah. I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, you got to be a fan of your sports teams. You're not a good fan. Blah, be a good fan. I don't give a shit if you're a good fan or not. Do it. It's your money. You spend it however you want to. You want to exactly. be a good fan? Fine. If you don't, you don't. I cared about that stuff a lot when I was, like, 16, but I just don't care about it anymore. You know, you grow up and other things are more important. So, like, I don't yep. care. But I was very surprised to see that because Patriots fans, over the last 20 years have been fiercely loyal. And even before that, you know, when they, when it was in the old Sullivan stadium, like there was a large contingent of fans that were there every weekend and, you know, Foxborough natives who were always showing up. And I, I just wonder, you know, is that, is that same, is that same loyalty going to exist here in the post Brady years? And I think in some cases it probably won't. If my in, in, in unscientific poll is any indication, they're going to lose about 25% of their fans going over <laughs> And you know, like I don't think I don't think that it would it would even come across a shocker to me because for the fact that that the poll was kind of like telling in a way, but it also in the same breath it was like I I kind of expect better from Boston sports fans. Like, come on, like <laughs> one one guy leaving does not determine the whole team for goodness sakes. Like, like damn it, like it's it's really it's really one of those one of those things where. I, I for one, couldn't believe it. And I was, I was like, you know what? I'm not surprised. But I said, you know what? I told you so. This was happening. Like, <laughs> I mean, the, the writing was on the wall. The last game against the, the Titans in the AFC wildcard week in the way that the 2019 season, like, played out and whatnot. It was just, it, it was just too many small little things that were just adding up. It's just, yeah. it, for me, it amazes me how, like, and I always try to maintain this, this point of view and this perspective, and that is, there are always small little clues as to what's going on. All you got to do is put it, bring them all together and you get a, a pretty good indication as to what's happening and, and what's, what is in fact the truth, not based on opinion or emotions. Cause as you know, a lot of people like to speak out of their emotions, but rather well-informed factual based opinions and so forth. And the one thing I'll ask you is this: You mentioned that you're that that you're 38. You're 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 a little older than I am. I'm going to be 29 in October. So, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so I'll 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 ask you this: um, I don't look it though, right? No, no. I I seriously thought you were like 32. Like I'm I'm not even I'm not even kidding you. I thought you were like 32 years old. Just looking at you, I'm like, no, nah. That's a pretty good indicator no, right there. I'm pushing. I'm legit pushing. <laughs> legit pushing. 40. 
not happy about it either, but I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, Time marches on, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah we, we're all getting older. Eh? <laughs> so, um, so I'll, I'll ask you this. When you first got the job at WEI, what were some of the, the early lessons that you learned while working at that station that helped you progress along as your, as your career progressed? At which station? At EEI. WEI? Um, well, WEI for me was a really big deal when I got that job. I was working at a station in New Hampshire called um, WGAM, also ESPN New Hampshire. Manansky mm -hmm. worked there. Rich Keefe worked there. Um, uh, Mike Grinnell, I don't know if you know him, but uh, he's the producer for the Spit and Chicklets podcast over at Barstool Sports. Oh, he wow. For years, like, yeah, yeah we actually we actually have a pretty good stable of talent there, to be honest with you. Pete Shepard was there for a little while, Tom King. Um, and I had a show together, but we, uh, I was there and, um, I got that job at a, um, I got that job at a job fair. It was at the Boston oh. Garden. There was a job fair with like, you know, the Boston cannons and like all these other things. And there was this little booth and it was this guy, Mike Wynn. And he, uh, he had a, a booth there and I, you know, I gave him my resume and I said, listen, I'm looking for a job in radio. And he looked at it. He goes, you have a lot of experience. Cause it was mostly college kids who were there and me. And yeah. I was like, I don't know, 29, about your experience, 29, 30. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm just, I'm really looking to get my foot in the door somewhere. And he's like, all right, well, come on out to New Hampshire. We'll talk to you and, you know, we'll see if we can fit you in somewhere. And the first uh, show I had was, a, it was a golf show on Sunday. It was one hour long and I was the board op, which basically meant this guy talked about golf and I just pressed the button to go to break. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm so happy that I had a sports job here in New England. I just, I didn't even give a shit. Like I was really pumped up about that. And from that, there was a Saturday show that, you know, most of the weekend shows people paid to be on the air, but this guy yeah. Mike wanted to have one show for like younger broadcasters to kind of cut their teeth with. And they called it sports Saturday. And there was a rotating crew of, you know, uh, hosts and, and uh, co-hosts and stuff like that. And he put me on it. And, you know, that was my first sports show. That was it. That was the first one that I got to host. And I was excited too, because, you know, I knew that there were EEI guys that had worked there and I thought, wow, this could be a real great way to get on the air in Boston. And what happened after that is um, I didn't go to EEI directly. There was this thing called Metro, which like ESPN New Hampshire doesn't exist anymore, oh, wow. or it doesn't exist with a connection to radio. WGAM flipped formats. Now they're like, you know big band oldies or something but like mm. uh the um the metro this was um uh, basically what it is is you, you they outsource updates like sports updates traffic updates train numbers you know weather all that stuff to different markets from this one place so like you go in there my job was i had to do uh weei sports flashes and also uh, which is a station in seattle their news and sports too so i'd sit in the studio i'd record all these they get sent out all over the country and there'd be like 50 other people all recording stuff for these different markets and um one of the ones that i got assigned was weei and that's really why i applied for it i was like i really want to do EEI sports flashes i'm from boston i know boston sports i've been listening to the station forever I got my foot in the door at EEI and then they had these layoffs and I thought I was getting to, but once again, I wasn't making enough money to justify laying me off. So they kept me <laughs> off. I eventually worked my way up to uh, doing Red Sox games. I was a studio host. And then uh, Joe Zarbano, who's the um, GM over there told me, we're going to, we're going to do this late night show and we want you to host it. And I was really, I was really kind of 
blown away by that because wow. you know there's only so many day parts on a radio station and they were basically creating a new one to put me on the air and i didn't take that lightly at all i mean i know it's the middle of the night and who gives a shit but like i was really now people listen i took that very seriously yeah and you know what boston's really underserved in that time slot like mm -hmm. boston's not Severely. so early to bed city yeah. either you got you got nurses doctors uber drivers like there's a lot of people who are out that time of night it's not drive time or anything but there's people and they had nothing to listen to so when that show started i got a lot of great feedback and the reaction was really strong and um you know i was working like five six, six nights a week building an audience and uh you know it was really it was really a, a, a cool thing and i think what i learned the most at eei was uh, number one patience because you really got to be patient with stuff like that and be available and be, you know, there when, when they need somebody. Cause a lot of the times I'd fill in for someone who was sick or if someone was on sabbatical or if, you know, something had, it was EEI. So there was shit happening there all the time. It was EEI in like the heyday of Kirk Minahan. So oh, there was man. drama there every yeah. single day. Oh, <laughs> wow. was happening. Someone was taking, you know, someone was quitting, someone was threatening to quit. Someone was, you know, just leaving the state. No one knew where they were. Like there was a lot of stuff going on there. So basically I, I learned to be available, be available and never say no to anything. Never say no to a single thing they ask you to do. If they want you to do Red Sox at night and then be on in the morning show the next morning, do it. It might not be great, but it's better than if you don't do it. And, uh, you know, that's, that's basically what I, what I did. And eventually that sort of led to uh, the sports hub and then that led to getting on at the Adam Jones show. And, you know, again, it's just sort of a question of there's going to be times in your career where you're in the right place at the right time. You just got to make sure that you don't let that opportunity go. You got to, you got to grab it. And it might not always happen. There might be opportunities that you have that you do your best and it's not what they're looking for, but you'll never know if you don't try it and you'll never know if you sort of skip over something or say, Oh, I'm not doing that or whatever. Like you got to, you got to really do everything. That's, that's sort of what I learned. And I still even sort of have that mentality today before I had the Adam Jones, before I was on with Jones, I was, you know, banging down the producer's door and saying, hey, you guys should do a late night show. EEI's got one. You should do one. You should let me host it. And I didn't know that they had taken over for Nick Cattle. So I guess that's, you know, better <laughs> than doing a late night. <laughs> but uh, yeah. it was, you know, it was something I really cared about. And I said, listen, any playoff game, any Patriots game, any anything, I'll go on till 1 a.m. I'm used to it. I've been doing this for a year. So, you know, just if you want to ever do something like that, just tell me, put me on the air, I'll do it. And then once I got in full time, I started telling guys like Matt McCarthy, like after the Red Sox, I was like, go in and tell them you want to go on after the World Series and tell them you want to go on as late as you can possibly go. The Red Sox won the World Series in 2018. Tell them you want to stay on and take calls all night. And he did. And they said, sure. And then he got to do that. And so, you know, like that's that's what you do. That's the best advice I can give anybody is if you're in radio and you're waiting for your break, you just got to be available for everything and you have to be aggressive. You know, you have to be aggressive and sort of going for stuff. But not just, hey, put me on the, give me a show. You know, you got to you gotta have a plan. You have to show them that you have a plan and you have something to offer. That's That, to me, I think was the, the main thing I learned at EEI. And, and, and I'm so glad you touched on that point because, because um, true story, earlier this year, this calendar year, I had left my, my, my old previous full-time job on working at the Brigham and mm -hmm. I decided, I said, you know what? I know at this point I have to make a change in my life. I wanted to really pursue my passion and what really had really become a, a growing career for me, which, which is hosting my, my own radio show. 
So one thing that I, that I, and I'll never forget this, even, even through this pandemic was there was a point in time, like earlier, like it's like January, February, yeah, around, around that time where there was a 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. slot wide open. No one was willing to take it. And I said to myself, you know what? That's rush hour. You should take yeah. that. You right should time. take that. Yeah. So I said, you know what? This is what I'm going to do. No one else wants to take it. Hey, I'm taking it on these days and these days. Boom, done. On air at that time. But I had, I had to get up at 3.30 in the morning to make that happen. And mm. one of my best friends were, were like, dude, how, how the hell do you get up that early? I'm like, dude, when you get up, when, when, you, when you have a drive and you have a passion, it's, it's, not, a, it's not even, a, it's easy. It's easy. Like, oh, okay, I'm up at 3.30 in the morning. Oh, no one else is up. Oh, oh well. Like, you just get up and you just do it. But yeah. the responses I would, I would get were, 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 were very positive, very positive. But, but it was like, how do you get up so early? I can't do that. That's too early for me. And it's like, and you pointed out that be available. And that was something I really, that really took, I took home with me because getting up at 3.30 in the morning for any job ain't easy, let alone doing a, doing a, a morning rush, um, AM a, a, a rush hour um, radio show and whatnot. But it's one of the, the most important aspects that I would even, um, I would even agree with and as well as put out there even myself saying like, hey, do whatever it takes and, and so forth. And, and um and and the one thing that I'll, I'll ask you is, what do you remember most about when you first got the job with ninety eight five the sports? Because it was it was a big shift. I mean, you went from EI to ninety eight five. At that point, it became like the the sports station in Boston. While EI, I mean, it's still the quote unquote legacy station, if you will, but. Right. You you going from EI to ninety eight five the sports up. What do you remember most about that opportunity, and and why did you make that change? Well, it's <laughs> this. What I'm about to tell you is not good advice. So I do as I do as I say, not as I do. I guess if that's what, ah. you know what I mean. Like, oh yeah. Do as I as I do. Um, I left DEI uh, because we had a uh, contract problem, and the problem was they wouldn't give me a contract. <laughs> oh, so I was really, uh, really sort of hurt by that because I've been working six nights a week for an entire year, and I saw some other people, you know, get uh, get contracts just to write for the website. And I thought, well, come on, I'm I'm on the air all the time. I'm doing, I'm filling in these other day parts. I'm doing all this stuff, and they were just like, listen, we we can't we can't do it. We don't have it in the budget. And so without a backup plan, I just quit. <laughs> I just said, you know what? I, I can't do I, You know what? I, I'm sorry. I just don't want to, I don't want to keep spinning my wheels here. And um, I, I left and I sort of bluffed and thought maybe they'd say, okay, let's, let's talk about a raise or let's talk about a contract or something. They didn't, they just let me go. So I left and uh, you know, I had, a, I had some other things lined up, but nothing really steady nothing uh, that was as fulfilling as having my own show. And, you know, sometimes you do that and you succeed and sometimes you do that and they say, all right, see ya. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what happened there. So uh, this was right around the time of the merger, you know, about the merger with CBS and, um, and, and Intercom. Yeah. So I knew that uh, at the time Sports Hub was a CBS station. Yeah, I was obviously Intercom and still is. Mm -hmm. uh, and we knew that the merger was there was also this uh, problem with the Department of Justice. Mm. You're not allowed to have a monopoly on broadcasting and because sports hub and eei 
with males 25 to 54 do such big numbers combined, I think it's over like 25% of the entire, you know, that, that entire demographic by ratings anyway, yeah. uh, that's considered a monopoly. That's considered a, a broadcast monopoly and they weren't allowed to have them all under one roof. So they said, okay, Intercom, you can take Sports Hub, you can take EEI. And they stuck with EEI because that had been their station all along. Um, and I uh, waited until the merger was over and I, I went to Sports Hub and I said, listen, guys, I only left EEI. I know that you um, just had this merger and everything. But the reason why I went in then is because I knew some of the weekend people decided to go with um, iHeart. You know, some of the stations went with iHeart okay. the option. They said you can either stay with the Sports Hub, yeah. who was bought by Beasley, or you can go with iHeart and WBZ, or you can go with one of the end or whatever. And a couple of guys did that. One guy, um, Adam Kaufman, ended up sticking with WBZ, and he's, you know, doing great over there. But him leaving freed up a weekend spot. And I went into Sports Hub, and I said, I know you guys just had your merger. If you lost some people looking to fill some weekend time, I'm available, and I'd love to work here. I'm a big fan of the station, blah, 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 blah. And, um, they brought me in for an interview and uh, they said, okay, well, we'll start you off on the weekends. Do you know anybody that works here? And I was like, yeah, I know Joe Murray. I know a couple of guys. And so they threw me on with Joe Murray and the rest is history. I'm actually going to be on with Joe Murray tonight. Oh, <laughs> so, wow. Jones <laughs> is out. So I'm hosting in the one chair and Joe Murray's going to be there. And uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was the beginning of it. And I remember first, first going on the mic in that studio and it's the old studio in Brighton. We're in Dorchester now, but it was in Brighton at the time. And I first going on and, uh, and and opening the mic up and starting my my weekend show and just thinking, man, like, I got really lucky here. <laughs> this was <laughs> this was really, really because I did not have a backup plan. I was just sort of hoping that they would that they would hire me. I didn't think that they actually would. I didn't know if I'd get a good, you know, review from EEI since I left on not great terms there. I just sort of, you know, up and walked out. But yeah, it ended up working out great. And then there was an opening in the Jones show and the cattle's left and, you know, sort of the rest is history. But yeah, I just remember opening it up in 98.5 and just being like, man, I am really, really lucky. <laughs> That's what I thought. And I still think that today. I know I'm good. Like, I know I'm good at my, but oh, you got to be more than good. You got to be better than good. You got to be lucky sometimes. And I was really lucky to, to have that go the way it did, I think. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. And, and, one, and one thing that I, that I have like admired, even listening to you um, like o over the years, because like true story, before I moved, relocated to Boston, I, I'm originally from New York, born and raised. And whereabouts? I would like, what's that? Whereabouts in New York? Oh, in, in Brooklyn, in, uh, in Bushwick to be exact. So mm -hmm. I had the opportunity to listen to the station on, on via the TuneIn radio app back in, this is like 20, 2016. Yeah, it was 2016. And I would listen to EEI. I would, I, would, I would listen to um to, um, to you do um do shows and so forth. Is is that like you were very consistent in terms of your your style and, and your on air persona, and it's something that I I even learned early on. Just 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 prepare myself mentally for that day that I finally forgot the chance to host my own radio show, which was something I had been clamoring to do and. And I um, mean, one of the things that um, that I really have taken on um, taking men's joy in is, is is the the I would say like the the rare the rare few who are actually able to remain consistent in in an environment where it's so easy to change and to fixate yourself to to appease a certain segment a segment of people who are of a listening yeah. audience and. And it's and especially in, a, in an environment like Boston, where 
this is such a it's such a demand it's such a it's a passion but there's a demand from from the on-air personalities that i think that for example like people like yourself and one of the reasons why i reached out to you is because i've honestly have respected your work and, and, and admired your work for a while and and i said you know what you would actually be a pretty cool um a pretty cool guest that to have i'm not i'm not saying to kiss ass i'm really not <laughs> say that again you said you sure screwed that one up, didn't you? <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, I, I, I mean, I must have screwed that one up badly. I'm sorry. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but, um, but, but, in all, but in all seriousness, um, like, no, like, I, I, I appreciate just being able to, like, have, like, this kind of conversation where, where, where again, like, like I told you before we went on, like, it's not meant to be, like, a button-down, uptight interview. It's meant to be, like, more of a conversational type of thing where, I listen to. I'm, I'm interested in hearing your story and your, and, and your background, and as well as well as like sharing some of the details from my background and my story and so forth. Whereas, and, and I'll ask you a question earlier, for example, about like your early influences in radio and so forth. For me, growing up in New York, um, WFAN was the station, and in, mm-hmm. in some ways, it still is. But, like, I was a big Mike and the Mad Dog fan, like, back in the day, like, even, like, during high school and so forth. And that, that for me, was, like, the early entry to what sports radio and what sports talk radio is about. And, you know, like, and, and I having a certain, a certain niche and, 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 just, and just sticking to it and as well as being consistent and, and um and, and one and one thing I'll I'll ask you like and not not to not to drag on drag this on forever as much as as much fun as I'm having with you, um is what is one aspect that you that you could say that hey like there's always something to get better at in terms of honing your craft getting better at what you do while at the same time, like, not letting it affect or change who you are as, as, a, as an on-air guy? Well, my thing, and this is, I mean, this different things work for different people, so, you know, don't take it as gospel. But one yeah. thing that I sort of, uh, sort of like a mantra that I have is I, I really wanted to get good at throwing to breaks and coming back from breaks. And I feel like you kind of fill everything in around that. But if you, when you come out of a break or when you're opening up the show or doing the intro to your show, that's when you got to have energy. That's when you got to sound right. It's when you got to say what you want to say. And I think doing music radio for me, like you only get to talk for about 10 seconds while the song ramps. I say what you got to say quickly and you got to have it, you know, have an impact. And I think that that's something you can always get better at. That's something you can always get better at getting, saying something that, you know, gets people to sort of listen to you and want to not change the station. Like having, it doesn't always have to be in short bursts. Like you can have a conversation work too. But to me, I think, you know, you want people to listen. So when you come out of a commercial or when you open your show, that's when you got to, you got to have something there that can always be improved. And when you're tossing to a break too, you don't want people to change the station. So you got to toss to it in a way that's not like a cheesy, you know, I'm coming up next. We'll let you know what this is, you know, like you don't want to be too cheesy about it, but you got to tease things somehow and really just talk about like sort of forward motion. Here's what's coming up. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what's going to happen. Cause you want the listener to think, Oh, I don't want to miss that. And in terms of, I would think, uh, I would say in, in terms of things that you can always get better at, 
your comfort zone. And that doesn't mean being inconsistent. Like you can still be consistent in the way you think about things, but you can try different bits. You can try, you know, doing a fucking parody song or something. I did a parody song this year for the first time ever. I did Tom Brady uh, area codes by Ludacris where he's buying houses in all these different places. (laughs) The first time I've ever done, the first time I ever rapped in my life. (laughs) And it was fun and I liked it. And you know, People liked it on the show. It was uh, it was a fun thing that we did. But, you know, like just stuff like that. You can always – you don't know what you're good at until you try it. You might know that you're good at certain things. Oh, sorry. We got the cavalry coming. Oh, oh no, no worries. No worries. <laughs> I, live right, I live right next to the fire station. That's a very common sound around here. But uh, yeah. so, yeah, I just think in terms of uh, trying to get better, you can always keep working on your craft and working on what you say and how you say it. But I think you really get more of a big-picture type of – you know, big picture type of lessons from trying new things. You know, you can always get better at trying new things and you try something, you don't, it doesn't work. You don't do it again. You try something and it works. You realize, Hey, there's something else I can build on something else I can work on and get better at something else that I think has a, has a place in my broadcast style. So yeah, I think, um, you know, for me, it's, it's the, the first thing you say coming out of the break, that's something I, I always try and work on and get better at. And uh, maybe you wouldn't have even thought of before and stuff that maybe you don't even really think would would be that good. But you want to just try it and see what it sounds like. Like, try everything. There's no reason not. We're all quarantined. What the fuck else are you doing? We all got nothing but time today. You know, right. it's it's one. Of, it's definitely one of those things. And um, and uh, like before, like before we before we end the episode, like off the recording, there's, there's a couple of things I want to ask you off off record completely. Um, okay. you look at the decade that just passed in, in Boston sports, there has been nothing short of so many indelible moments and memories that has happened over the last 10 years. And one thing I'll ask you is to you, what is the single most indelible moment in Boston sports that has impacted the sports landscape over the last 10 years? Sports landscape? Yeah. Um, it's a good question. I'd say, uh, well, for me, it's two things. Either um, David Ortiz, this is our fucking city after the marathon bombing. Yeah, 2013. Mm-hmm. That was, but that was more than just sports. If you're talking about just the sports landscape. It could be either or. You know what? Either or. Okay. Maybe well, then I'll put or. that one number one. And a close 1A for me would be the 2014 Patriots. Uh, beating the uh, beating the Seattle Seahawks because a lot of people have written the Patriots off and sort of assumed they were never going to win anything again. Like a lot of people did that in 07, you know, like in 2007, they, they almost had that perfect season and then they blew it and then Brady got injured in 2011 and they lost to the Giants again. And I think at that point, people basically assume this is, this is over. They might still make the playoffs. They might still be a good team. But they're not winning anything anymore. Look at all these other teams that are around. They're still they're going to beat them. They're not going to be able to, uh, <laughs> to overcome that. And then in 2014, you know, they in 2013 they lost enough a good enough secondary. And then in 2014, Bill goes out against the Rel Revis against Brandon Browner, and they just bam right back in the Super Bowl. And when Malcolm Butler picked that pass off, when when he when he intercepted that pass, that that really signaled a whole a whole new chapter were in what the NFL was and the Patriots sort of dominance over the NFL. They'd win two more Super Bowls after that. But that was really the time when I think, you never you ever seen that gif of like the undertaker waking up, you know, yes. <laughs> he's like lying down and then he like, <laughs> rising when, from the dead. That's yep. that 
you know? Yeah. That was the Patriots. They were back from the dead. They had come back and they were, you know, suddenly this thing again that they had been, you know, 10 years ago. And now here, here it was coming again. And they had, you know, all these more Super Bowl appearances. They made it to what, seven or eight straight AFC championship yeah. games. It was, you're never going to see anything like that again in the NFL. Maybe not even in sports. That, well, if there's ever sports again, I guess. But the way there's so much parody in all these other leagues, you're just, you're not going to see that. So that to me, I think changed the sports landscape the most. But in terms of like real world impact, David Ortiz and the, and the Red Sox after the, after the marathon bombing, I'll, I'll never forget that. In fact, like, where were you when, when the, when, when this, when this all was taking place? Like, what, like, what do you remember most about that day on April 15, 2013? Well, I was on the air. Um, uh, I think we had just finished our show and I was driving back to Massachusetts and I was listening to Felger and Maz and um, Felger said, there's something just happened. There's red liquid on the, it looks like blood on the street. And uh, I just remember I was driving back thinking, wow, that's, that's weird. Someone got hurt or something. And then, you know, the news came out and you sort of realized what had happened. Um, I had some friends who were running in the race and, you know, once I checked and made sure they were all okay, I didn't know anybody who got hurt, but you know, you didn't know that for a while and everyone's packed in down there and it's just, no one knew anything. Um, the real connection I have to that though, was uh, I used to live in Watertown oh, wow. and when the lockdown happened, when they had, well, first of all, it wasn't a lockdown yet, but that night when um, they had the shootout over in Watertown, that was like about five minutes away from my house and the place where they caught him under that boat, you know, in that yeah. guy's backyard, mm -hmm. about a 30 second walk from my front door. Uh, I lived on Chester street and that guy's house was on Franklin street, which is just one block over. Yeah. And I passed that house every day. And uh, so I was right there in the middle of that lockdown. And maybe that's why I'm not, you know, this isn't too tough to adjust to like lockdowns <laughs> or whatever. Lockdowns, you know what I mean? But like that one was scary because you didn't know where he was. You didn't know if he had help. You didn't know if he had friends helping him. Nobody thought he was still in Watertown. No one thought mm -hmm. he was still in Watertown. Yeah. People thought he was long gone. And that, you know, they, like, they had shut down the entire city and were looking for him all goddamn day. And he was only, you know, not too far away from the last place they saw him. So that was cool. Yeah. That was a wild day. I remember the helicopter. I remember the, everything about that day, to be honest with you. But, um, yeah, that, that's, that, that'll stick with me longer than the, the actual marathon day because I wasn't on the air for it. And I was sort of driving when it happened. I remember watching the news, obviously, and, and seeing all of that. But then when they identified the guys and, and they were them all around Watertown, boy, I'll never forget that shit. Wow. And, and yeah. la last question to, to wrap up the recording. When sports does return, do you mm -hmm. think it will return in the same way that we had all been accustomed to, or do you think it will return in a different way? And how do you think it will impact the product on the court or on the field, so to say? That's a big question to end the thing on, but I'll say, <laughs> I don't think it's going to be the same. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be the same at all because I don't think people are going to be comfortable going and being in a big crowd like that for a long time, for a really long time, probably not until at least 2021 at the earliest. And I don't think it's even going to be early 2021. I think we're talking like summer 2021. We're probably a year away from that. If that, Yeah. Now, I mean, there's got to be a vaccine. There's got to be a lot of things. So in terms of it coming back the way it was, I think there's zero chance that happens. 
But also that sort of brings in some other interesting things. Like we were just looking at the NFL schedule yesterday, right? Mm -hmm. And the Patriots have the Chiefs and the Seahawks road games, both road games in the first month. And if this was a normal season, you would say those are going to be a whale of a game. You got to go to the Arrowhead. You got to go to the fucking CenturyLink field. That Mm -hmm. place is so loud. And then I was like, wait a minute. It's not going to be loud. There's not going to be anybody in there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be like a neutral site game in front of no fans. So, you know, how's that going to change the whole dynamic of home field advantage in the NFL? How's that going to change in the Mm -hmm. NBA? Imagine the NBA with no fans. Like, that's crazy. Fans impact the referees' calls. Fans impact the players, you know, with the free throw line. Like, there's so much that goes into that. And, uh, you know, I think baseball and hockey will probably be okay. Baseball is used to playing in quiet parks and, you know, some Mm -hmm. down at Tampa Bay, no one goes to those games anyway. Exactly. (laughs) And even, like, hockey, like, the Stanley Cup playoffs with no fans is going to be really weird. But we also watched all those winter classic games, you know? And those games were kind of like you were playing in front of no fans. Like, you couldn't see the fans. You couldn't really hear them. The, the ice was, like, really far away from everybody. It was, One at Fenway Park, mm-hmm. you could barely even see the ice from half the seats in wow. Fenway. So, like, I don't know. I don't think the NHL will have too big a problem there. But football and basketball, when they come back, and I think they both will, I think baseball is going to come back too. Hockey, I'm not sure. Uh, but, yeah, with the NFL and, uh, and the NBA, it's going to – there's going to be a real – a real jar. It's going to take a while to get used to that. You know, it's going to take a real long time to get used to the NFL with no home field advantage in the NBA without fans screaming at the refs and screaming at the guy at the free throw line. Like that's, oh, yeah. that's going to be super weird, but you know what? We'll take it. Right. Yeah. We're going to say, no, no, no. There's got to be fans like, fuck that. Of course not. We'll <laughs> take sports. There's sports. Sports with no fans is better than nothing. And I think we all can agree on that. We are, we're all done with like guys playing horse and guys playing 2k mm-hmm. and like that getting televised. Like, nah, that's fine. And I love these classic Celtics games. Cause that's, you know, I just told you that was the Celtics I grew up on, but I can watch those on YouTube anytime I want to bring mm-hmm. me back real sports. I don't care if there's no fans, but yeah, I think there is going to be a real, uh, a real adjustment period to, especially in the NBA and the NFL to those, to those games with no fans. That's going to be super weird. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, it's been an absolute treat, Christian Arcan of 985 The Sports Hub. Um, definitely thank you immensely for coming on the podcast today. Um, it's been an absolute thrill to have the opportunity to, to talk to you on the podcast and so forth. Well, thank you for having me on, man. Uh, call me back anytime. This was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Give, give me one second and, and definitely hold tight. You got it.